When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, it's another Wednesday. We're actually recording on Wednesday today. Welcome to another episode of Reaction Time presented by our friends at Fairway. Um, it's the best time of the year, Ben. It is officially championship week. Iowa State is in Detroit as of yesterday. Yes, yesterday. yesterday. Yep, they left yesterday morning. Um, I think everyone's there now, given the NCAA account uh, retweeting so many other teams announcing their arrival to Motor City. Um, But yeah, I'm pumped. Ben, (laughs) what's up? How are you? I'm wonderful. Like you said, this is the best time of the year. Uh, This, the next couple of days, I will not get a lot of work done. I just, frankly... I'll be watching too many sports. Obviously, wrestling is going to be on the front of my mind, but you also got the men's NCAA basketball tournament, the women's NCAA basketball tournament. A lot of sports will be consumed, and I'll be a very happy person. You know, we didn't talk about this earlier, but I'm just going to go ahead and say that. I am super pumped. We have so much to watch this weekend. But, God, I hope that we really do, as a collective in the NCAA, just really reconsiders the timing of things. (laughs) Because I just... I hate that these guys are going to go and compete and it's overlapping with NCAA women's basketball and men's basketball. It's, it's not like we can sit here and lie that there's more audiences for men's basketball. And this year is a huge year for the women's basketball tournament, I think. Um, So yeah, I just, it's a definitely a rant I could go on, but I think the best thing for our sport would be to see it moved. Yeah, I have been on this bandwagon for five-ish years now that <laughs> NCA needs to make wrestling a spring-only sport. And I've talked about this before, so I won't get into too many details. But um, yeah, it's just, I think it'd be better for the sport, like you said. But one thing that is great for the sport that I will give a lot of credit to ESPN for is every single session will be on ESPNU or ESPN. All the morning sessions will be on ESPNU. All the evening sessions will be on ESPN, the mothership. So there's going to be a lot of eyeballs on 
They're going to have every round in the evening session on ESPN, not just the championship round. I remember a couple years ago, they had the championship round on ESPN too, I think. So um, wrestling fans are really supporting wrestling. ESPN would not be doing this if there weren't a lot of eyeballs on wrestling. So um, that is one huge positive for wrestling. I know this timing is is really inconvenient just because of the men's and women's basketball tournament, but the one positive is ESPN really seems to be noticing that wrestling fans want to watch this and they want to, they're willing to put it on ESPN every single night. And I, I think that's awesome. Which this is not a plug or a sponsorship at all, but every year for a while, I have watched so much NCAA wrestling at Johnny's hall of fame down in uh, downtown Des Moines. They have wrestling on so many of their TVs and that's also very uncommon. So Shout out to Johnny's because that's where I've watched a lot of wrestling. <laughs> but um, no, I completely agree with you. It, it is definitely exciting to see ESPN buying in. Um, definitely continue to push for that to be moved just because I think there'd be so many more eyes on this if it didn't overlap. Because at the end of the day, a casual fan isn't going to casually watch as easily as they would if there wasn't other sports on them if we're being just upfront about it. So, but either way, I'm pumped to see that the second round, um, it's the second round and then uh, session five, which is semifinals. And then the finals on Saturday are all on ESPN. So definitely growth, definitely growth. But um, yeah, I would say has nine guys in Detroit this weekend, which is exciting. Uh, unfortunately at 165. Isaac Judge did not receive an allocation um, at the tournament. And when it came to at-large bids, he didn't qualify for one. Um, but that was kind of expected. So I guess it isn't necessarily like a big surprise for anyone. Um, but there are nine guys wrestling. So we can definitely hop into that. Um, ben, first initial thoughts when you saw the brackets. First initial thoughts. Um for the most part, I liked the draws that Iowa state guys got even some of the lower seeds and we'll get into this in more detail, but, um, Kyson Tarakina got number seven, Trevor master Giovanni from Oklahoma state and Kyson Tarakina as the 26 seed beat master Giovanni earlier this year in the dual meet. So, Hey, even though he's a lower seed, I like that matchup just because, um, he has beaten him. Ramazan got a guy from Penn who hasn't, really wrestled anyone super notable. So I'm not saying Ramazan's going to win that match, but I think it's an opportunity for another quote unquote upset with Ramazan being the 24 seed. So up and down, I think I like Iowa state's draws for the most part. We will go weight by weight and break it down a little bit more, but um, yeah, for the most part, I think they, even the lower seeded guys, they're going to have opportunities to win on the championship side of the bracket. Yeah, I definitely, yeah, I think like you said, up and down, I was like, you know, I'm not too disappointed. Um, but yeah, someone like Ramazan's isn't necessarily my favorite, but given, like you said, that guy's resume, I'm not too concerned now. And um, it's definitely for Kaisen to be the seed he was, I guess, when you look up and down the level of talent, it makes sense, but I feel like thanks to his resume from the regular season, he's shown he's capable of doing big things, regardless of his seventh place finish at Big 12s. 
Yeah, we talked about that after the Big 12 got over. His draw was unfortunate. It wasn't that he had a bad draw. It's just that the number two guy, Taylor Lamont, lost his first round match. So then on the backside of the bracket, Kyson got the number two, Taylor Lamont. And it's just, how do you, what do you do with that? So, um, yeah, Kyson had a rough, rough time at Big 12s, but I still see a lot of ability in Kyson Tarakina. I think when he wrestles well, he can beat a lot of guys at the NCAA tournament. So, um, I don't know how far he'll go on the championship side of the bracket because he does have Vito Arujao from Cornell. Um, if he gets to the quarterfinals, and that's going to be a really tough match for him. But um, overall, I mean, I don't, I don't see any. It's just if Kaisen wrestles well, I like his chances to win a few matches on the championship side, championship side of the bracket, and then depending on how the consolation side shakes out, I could see him winning a few matches there. I. Uh... Yeah, I think I share the same sentiment with you as Terakina. And like we said, Ramazan's choice. Um, if you look at 141, Ian Parker is facing, I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly, Parker, uh, what is his name? Phil? I think it's Phileas. Uh, Phileas, okay. You're so much better at that. I hate pronouncing people's names wrong. But um, Parker did not wrestle in the Purdue match. But Charlie Kleps lost to him 14 to two. But Ian Parker being Ian Parker, <laughs> I'm not too concerned. <laughs> I think Parker should be going in, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, we have no health mishaps this time. Um, but for a first round match, I think it'll be fine. Yeah, that was the thing I was going to say with Parker. I, I thought I felt the exact same way going to the Big 12. I was like, ah, you it'll be fine. He'll be in the championship. <laughs> And then he got a stomach bug and he obviously did not wrestle near to his capabilities. So if Ian Parker's feeling well, I really like his chances, um, especially against Parker Phileas. I think that one should be again, assuming health and assuming he's um, injury free, things like that are mostly injury injury free. Um, I like Ian Parker. And then second round, he'd get real woods most likely from Stanford and real woods is a very high end wrestler. Um, he's 14 and one this season. So that'd be a tough matchup for Parker, but at one point Ian Parker was ranked number four, uh, according to intermat this year. So I think it's really just been since the big 12 tournament that his, um, ranking his seating, whatever has taken a dip. But if Ian Parker wrestles to the level he's capable of that real woods match, assuming it happens would be a really fun one. You know, and it's funny because I walked into us talking about Big 12, just so confident about how good he felt. He said he was feeling great, like, no, no problems. And then, yeah, it was like, oh, just kidding, guys. He is not feeling well. <laughs> so, um, hoping for the better there. Um, but, yeah, no, like you said, I think if, of course, hopefully, no injuries, no um, stomach bugs this time. I think he should be fine to give us some good action. And honestly, I really hope Parker can all American. So. He has the potential. And that's the thing with Ian Parker is he was named an all American the year of that COVID happened. And I, I don't remember who it was. I think it was the national wrestling coaches association. They decided to name their own all Americans. And when that happened, Ian Parker was named an all American, but Ian Parker has not wrestled to be an all American. And he's clearly an all American caliber wrestler. So just for him and his sake, I'd love, I'd love to see him 
wrestle to his potential and stand on a podium because he has not gotten to do that at the NCAAs. And a guy like Parker, who we've said a lot in the past, is the model wrestler for Iowa State guys to follow. He's a type, he's the type of guy who deserves to stand on the podium at the end of the season. So uh, just for Parker and even for Iowa State's program as a whole, it'd be awesome to see him stand on a podium as an All-American um, when this tournament wraps up. Well, and it's just, it's like a frustrating thing for me, I guess, to have Ian Parker, you know, like you said, be this model guy and just not see him get, I want to say what he deserves, but like, it's also one of those things where he's the one working for it. Um, but I wanted to read the quote I, sh- I shared on Twitter of what David Carr had to say about Ian Parker following the big 12s. And he said, Ian is the ultimate team player. He's a guy that I looked up to. He's a guy that I try to emulate. He works so hard and I try to emulate that. I have a thousand great words to say about him. I was honored to be his roommate and I hope that I can be his roommate at nationals because he's always just so positive and upbeat. And I could just go on and on about how amazing he is, which that's coming from David Carr, who is the face of the program, honestly. So I think that's a huge sentiment to Ian and he's definitely someone I'm rooting for, even just as a fan, honestly, who I really hope he can get something good to end his career on or his collegiate career. I should say his career won't be over yet. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you hundred percent. But moving down the bracket to our favorite tall, lanky kid, Jared Dakin got a good job. Hold on now. Hold on. Our favorite tall, lanky wrestler. I'm pretty tall and lanky myself. So I take some (laughs) offense to you saying he's your favorite tall, lanky person. I am a little bit offended by that. Ben, how tall are you? Six foot four. Oh, wow. Okay. You are pretty tall. I'm sorry. I take it back. My, our favorite tall, lanky wrestler. There you go. (laughs) You know, you're my favorite if we're on a podcast together. I didn't ask anyone else to be on the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> that's true that's true i'm just giving you a hard time <laughs> but jared dagan is in his final ncaa championship and he gets his favorite opponent and i say that sarcastically <laughs> he will wrestle willie mcdougall from oklahoma who jared dagan explicitly said at big 12s um i got a chance to talk to him before he hit the locker room after winning his match against missouri which I'm so sorry to Missouri. I cannot remember. I guess I could just look his name up here, but we both Ben and Josh Edmond. Edmond. Yes. Josh Edmond. After he beat Josh Edmond, he was just fired up. And in our conversation, Jarrett was like, I wish I could wrestle someone like him again. I hate wrestling that OU guy. He just clings to my leg and just was very explicit about how much he hates wrestling him. And now he gets to kick off his tournament exactly like that. So. Well, at least we know how the match is going to go, right? I mean, Willie McDougal is just going to hang on Jarrett Dagan's leg. So we'll see what Jarrett can do with it. I, Jarrett, I feel he was in position to beat Willie McDougal that entire match. I think he was winning five to three or something like that. And then he gave up the takedown. Literally, it must have been five to four. He gave up the takedown at the very last second. And he loses six to five against Willie McDougald and a match. He, he should have won in the first time they wrestled earlier this year. Um, Jarrett lost to Willie McDougald in sudden victory. So uh, Jarrett's going to be out for blood. He obviously does not like wrestling Willie McDougald. 
<laughs> if there's one draw, I know I said earlier that I liked most draws for Iowa State guys. If there's one draw I don't like, it's this Jarrett Degan one. Not necessarily because of William McDougald. I have a pretty high degree of confidence that um, Jarrett will probably end up on top in that one just because he's going to have quite a bit of motivation. Willie, Willie will too if he heard that Jarrett Degan quote. But in the second round, assuming Jarrett wins, he's going to have Yanni Diakamahalas from Cornell who is – just an absolute monster. Um, unfortunately, we weren't able to watch um, Yanni last year because the Ivy League, um, due to COVID, did not participate in any sports. So uh, we weren't able to watch Yanni last year. But Yanni is an absolute animal if you've never seen him wrestle. Um, that'll be a really, really tough match for Jarrett. It's one that I would not ever expect him to win. But um, that's that's the only draw that I'm not a huge fan of for Jared. I haven't dove into what the backside of the bracket could look like, so I don't know what his all American path is necessarily. But um, Jared will probably be one and done on the championship side of the bracket, and then he'll have to wrestle his way back up on the backside. So that is the one draw that's not great for Iowa State guys. You know, uh, Chris, good old C Dub, who is continuously growing as a wrestling fan. He, that was his one comment to me when I saw him on Sunday was that 149 bracket doesn't look so good for Iowa state. And I don't know C-Dub's knowledge of Yanni, but yeah, he is crazy. And I think because of the mentality that Jarrett has right now, the fact that this is it, um, I think he's definitely in that wrestling free mindset where he's just going to throw it out there. And I mean, I hate that he has this draw because I'd like him to be able to go far just initially instead of having to wrestle his way back. But I mean, what a way to go out. You get to feel out that number one guy probably going to lose, but I definitely am excited to see how that works out for him given their body differences, which is always the case with Jarrett. But I did want to make the comment for those who don't know that Jared Dagan became the first five-time NCAA qualifier in school history. So shout out to Jared Dagan. What a, what a stat. And he didn't even, here's the crazy part. He didn't start his career at Iowa state either. He started his career at Virginia tech. So uh, he wasn't even here for all six years. He's been here. <laughs> no, five years. He's been here five total years and six. He's had six total college years. So yeah, Jared Dagan on that Willie Miklas um, schooling <laughs> path, but no, we, we love Jared. He's um, incredibly entertaining to watch wrestle and just a good guy to talk to too. So um, best of luck to him against Yanni, assuming that match happens and see if he can wrestle his way back. Yeah, I completely agree. He, uh, I'm doing a senior feature on him that should be coming to everyone's, uh, way soon. But one of the things he said that was like a big selling point for him when coming to Iowa state was not only that he was going to be able to continue under dresser, but he was going to continue to work with St. John, who's been like his main guy for years. Um, but that he wanted to be under a staff that wouldn't change him, that would only help him improve, but continue to keep his funky wrestling style. And he has, and this is it. This is the last weekend. We'll get to see that on display before he retreats back to Montana and <laughs> rides off into the sunset with his wife, Josie. So definitely worth tuning in, even if it's against Yanni, who's going to be very, very strong. <laughs> so, but we can definitely go into an exciting part of the bracket, which is David Carr, of course, the number one seed at the NCAA championships at 157. He's a defending champion. 
Um, he's looking at potentially going up against Derek Hallslog from you and I. If you can hear the squeaking, it's because there's dogs in the background who are not as composed as your dog. <laughs> um, they're just very excited after their walk. But Carr's looking at either Derek Holschlag from you and I or Jaren's, how did we say it? Silvica? Selka? Silvica. From Ohio. That one I don't know. That one's a tough one. From Ohio. And they're both yeah, they're looking think... at thir- 33 or 32 seed. Yeah, that's going to be that'll that should be a quick tech fall type situation for David Carr. Obviously, Derek Holschlag gave Carr sort of a match, um, as much as you can give David Carr. Um, but I, I think David will be re- ready and raring to go in that first round. I don't think there'll be too many problems there for him. And like you mentioned, as rough as Jarrett Dagan's draw could be, David Carr as the number one seed has a great draw. I mean, just frankly, it's there's no reason for him not to get to the semifinals without too many problems. I could see him bonus pointing his way to the semifinals. Um, I think maybe his toughest competition would be Caleb Young from Iowa, who he's beaten handily two years in a row, or maybe Michigan's Will Lewin, who I don't think would give Carr that much of a match. He might keep it to decision or something like that. But I think that that could be easily one of those six to one, seven to two type of matches, either against Caleb Young or, Will Lewin. So I think Carr gets to the semifinals with relative ease on the other side of his semifinal bracket. And this, this goes back a ways. He's could potentially have Quincy Monday from Princeton. And if Monday sounds familiar, it's because David Carr's dad, Nate Carr and Quincy Monday's Quincy Monday's dad, um, Kenny Monday had an incredible rivalry back in the um, back in the day. And those two went at it, it seemed like every single year, and they'd go back and forth. So I'd love to see David Carr wrestle Quincy Monday in the semifinals for an opportunity to go to the finals, just like their dads used to. I think that'd be an awesome storyline. I think ESPN would have a heyday with it. So if you're rooting for anything outside of obviously David Carr going to the championship, root for Quincy Monday just so they can have that old family rivalry renewed. Um, Quincy has, he would have a little bit tougher path. He, he'd have to beat Ed Scott from North Carolina state, who's 21 and are 22 and one this season. Um, but outside of that, I think Quincy should, he'd have a pretty good opportunity of making it to the semifinals. So that would be great. And then on the other side of the bracket, because at this point, I think we're all assuming David Carr probably makes it the championship. So we got to look at the other side of the bracket as well. Um, obviously Ryan Deacon from Northwestern is going to, Hasn't he has an opportunity once again to make the finals. Now, last year, I thought it'd be David Carr and Ryan Deacon. Deacon got upset and um, David Carr ended up wrestling Delvecchia in the championship. So uh, Deacon's 13 and 0 this season. He hasn't wrestled a ton of matches. I don't necessarily know the reason why, if he has dealing with some injuries, if he missed some tournaments, I'm not sure. Um, So I like, we'll see what Deacon can do. He'll have to beat um, Ja'Cory Teamer, most likely in the semifinals, who is 19-0 this season. So um, there's two undefeated guys on the other side of the bracket that will have to most likely wrestle each other to get to David Carr, who will most likely be in the championship. So um, this could be a really, really fun bracket to watch. David's obviously the favorite as the returning national champ, but there are two other undefeated guys in this bracket. And then uh, there's obviously Quincy Monday, who is a very, very good wrestler in his own right. Which, yeah, I, uh, when looking at them, I hadn't even realized that T- 
Teamer and Deacon were on the same side. So like you said, absolutely wonderful draw for David Carr and Iowa State to be able to feel confident about having a guy in the championships, which I feel like this would be a good point to bring up is with wrestling upsets are a lot more surprising. They're, they're not as, I don't want to say necessarily not as common, but the chances of us having crazy wild upsets, the way we see and anticipate an NCAA basketball for, at least for the men's is not at all the same. Um, I had a friend yesterday. He was like, how do you with such confidence, like feel this way about David Carr? Like, how do you know he doesn't lose in the beginning of the tournament? And with wrestling, that's just, it's not the same. You don't have so many guys on the court, you know, who are dependent on to make all the shots. Like David Carr has won 50, I don't even know how many matches now, um, straight. He's 21 and zero in the regular season. Like with wrestling, you can look at this and say, David Carr is most likely going to be in the championship round again. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Something catastrophic would have to happen. I, I The only <laughs> reason I could see him not making the championship would be him getting injured. But the thing with him getting injured is that's not that likely because David Carr stays in such good position all the time. And sure, a fluky thing can happen. But if you're staying in a good, solid wrestling position all the time, your knee's not going to get twisted a weird way. Your ankle's not going to roll. You're not going to get your shoulders ripped or anything like that. So um, he, he stays in such good position. It's obviously helped his health. He's not a guy you necessarily have to worry about getting dinged up. And I'm not going to go knock on wood real quick because I don't want to jinx him, but yeah, um, he's not a guy I'd expect to get injured. And that's really the only way I think I could see him not at bare minimum making the semifinals, something weird could happen in the semifinals, I suppose. But um, yeah, I feel really confident in car making at minimum semifinals and most likely championship. Well, I'm definitely someone who doesn't like to be super confident. I'm definitely those people who will like change my chair, stand in the kitchen because my team started doing well. So like, I'm not the most necessarily like confident when it comes to just putting my trust in, Oh, they're going to do well because they've shown they can do well. But like David Carr is someone you can definitely say, you know what? He's shown that he can and is doing well. So there's a 90 8.5% chance he's going to continue to do well. And I only saw that random number because I almost want to say I'm 99% sure. So, but like you said, injury is definitely a hard thing to put up there again, knock on one. I don't know where it's woods near me, but you'd have to get to his legs <laughs> like, and no one has. <laughs> like, yeah, how do exactly. You, how, how do you injure a guy you can't reach? <laughs> yeah. Very, very few guys have even touched David Carr's legs this season. So I, you know, I think he should be fine. And on Monday, when we talked to the team before they had practice, David is, you know, like in typical David Carr fashion, he's excited. Like this is a playground to him. This is where uh, Dresser always says the best wrestlers are the best performers. And David is a performer. He loves going out there and smiling. And with the bracket that he's has set up for him, I think he's going to have a lot of fun. Um, Absolutely. So. I think if you, as a, if anyone listening is a casual wrestling fan and they want to tune in, definitely tune in when you know David's up. 
like just switch the channel and watch David's matches when you can. That's my biggest um, advice to people who want to follow along, but don't necessarily have the bandwidth to have it on at all times. (laughs) You know, this is the one I think you want to watch and he's proven that he is entertaining and you should. So no, Jackie's absolutely right about that. Like I mentioned, David Carr is a bonus point machine. He'll, he'll get a few takedowns the first period. He'll turn some guys in the second, third period. And in those first couple rounds, he'll end the match 14 to one, 16 to one, 12 to two. He'll get bonus points. He'll, he might pin a few guys in those first couple rounds. So, um, incredibly, incredibly fun wrestler to watch. Like you said, he is absolutely a performer. He puts on a show. He knows when he's putting on a show. And, uh, yeah, I mean, even you can just go back to last year's championship match when him and Metcalf had their choreographed celebration. <laughs> I mean, I think dresser had the quote or the comment afterward. Like I didn't, I had thought they were just working on wrestling. I didn't know they were working on their celebrations after that match or when they were working <laughs> out in their one-on-ones, but it turns out they're working on their celebrations. So, I mean, that's just the kind of confidence. That's the kind of jovialness that david carr brings to wrestling and it's really really fun to watch and iowa state's really really lucky to have a guy like him i completely agree and i think it's fun to see i i think it's really fun that the guy for him is metcalf i love the relationship that they have as a athlete and coach um that celebration last year was definitely funny since you know metcalf is you know used to be such a serious he has a history. Guess, we'll say that he yes. has a history. <laughs> and I've, I've asked Metcalf about it. Like, how did you go from, you know, being such a serious guy, you know, who didn't necessarily love the cameras, wasn't super into doing big celebrations to being the it coach for one of the happiest, <laughs> like most like, I don't know, David is just so full of energy and life. And it's crazy to me that he's this guy who goes in and just absolutely destroys his competition. But from what I hear from St. John, Metcalf was always the funny, goofy guy. We just didn't always get to see it since he, you know, took competition very serious, but I love seeing them and I'm excited to see, hopefully, you know, David get his happy ending there at the end and hopefully walk out um, a champion once again and to have him have that celebration again with Metcalf, no idea what they might or may not have up their sleeves. <laughs> no, that's what I'm interested in. I, I need, I need to know these things, Jackie. I need to know, what kind of celebration they have planned if assuming it goes that far. So, <laughs> you know, I think even if I asked David, he would have just smirked at me and said, I don't know, or we've been working on it, or I haven't even thought about that. Probably give yeah. me a very generic, like, oh, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> yeah. So but <laughs> this is definitely the time to be excited. I feel like all season we've been able to say like David's doing David things. He's being consistent. He's doing what we expect of him and showing up for his team. And last week I touched on just what a big voice he is in the room of encouraging his team to believe they can do anything. And on Tuesday, sorry, Monday, he said it, he's like, we're going to get guys on the podium. So like, he's confident in his team and, you know, maybe some guys don't necessarily have the greatest draw for that, but I think it's definitely a good sentiment to see how he believes that and how he encourages others to believe it. So it's time for the David Carr show, essentially. I'm ready for it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, But when you look at other guys on the uh, roster, you know, we got Joel Devine at 174, who's going up against... Did you tell me I pronounce the same Mikey Lab Labrio Labriola? <laughs> Labriola, you got it. Yep. <laughs> From Nebraska. Um, tough draw there for Joel Devine, I think. This Mikey went 20 and 4 this season. He's the nine seed. Joel Devine's the 24 seed who finished the season 12 and 9. Yeah, this um, is another tough draw. Um it's not like the Kaisen Tarakina or Ramazan draw where they, I think, have a very legitimate chance of winning. Um, Joel is going to probably struggle against Mikey Labriola. Joel is 12 and nine this year. He, he, he's, he can beat guys that he's better than, but he's not, I don't think he's pulled an upset this year. So I would not ex- start expecting him to start pulling upsets at the NCAA tournament or NCAA championships, I should say. So I think this could be one where, Joel Devine's going to have to try to wrestle his way back on the backside of the bracket, get a few wins, hopefully on the backside. But uh, yeah, this is a really tough first round opponent for Joel Devine. Which not to gloss over Joel. um, I think it's nice to see the way, I guess I shouldn't say nice. I don't like that word with this, but you can definitely see how he's improving. It's one of those where I think you said this before big 12s that we were talking about how he definitely has that like chip on his shoulder or like, grungy attitude that wrestlers tend to have, which is awesome to see. But I think we're definitely just waiting to see him back that up with a win that really kind of sets him apart. And right now that's kind of where we're at is we're waiting to see him really set himself apart. Agreed. Yeah. Which moving into athletes that have set themselves apart, 184, Marcus Coleman. um, He's going to start his tournament. Wow. (laughs) <laughs> tournament his tournament against michael batista um how are we feeling about coleman ben i feel really good about coleman uh he obviously had to deal with a lot during the big 12 championships um he seemed to work through it pretty well he did get third convincingly at big 12s um but I like his first round matchup for sure. Marcus, the eight seed, he's wrestling 25 seed. I think he shouldn't have too many problems there. Marcus is a guy who's shown the capability of getting bonus points. I could see him getting bonus points in this first round. Um, second round matchup against Zach Brunagel of Illinois. That's going to be a little bit tougher. That's going to be an eight, nine matchup, assuming Brunagel wins and Coleman wins. Um, that's one where I could really see that going either way. If Marcus Coleman shows up and shows up right. I could see him winning that match and making it to the quarterfinals where he'd most likely wrestle miles. Amin, um, the first ever Olympic wrestler for the country of San Marino. So shout out to miles Amin in the country of San Marino. Um, he represented them in the last Olympics. That's going to, that that's where Marcus is going to have to wrestle back and get, get his all American status on the backside of the tournament. Like David Carr said, he expects a few guys to, um, be on the podium with him. I expect um, Ian Parker could very well be one of those guys. Marcus Coleman could very well be one of those guys. If Jarrett Dagan gets a great draw on the backside of the bracket after the assumed Yanni Yakamahalas match, I could see him wrestling to all American status. So 
This is another one where Iowa State could get one in Marcus Coleman, assuming he wrestles back well after a most likely potential loss against Miles Amin. I know this is a younger Bastida fan account here, yes. uh, CF, um, but Coleman, I think, is definitely one of my favorite guys this season. And I think it's just because it's one of those you back up what you say. And ironically, Coleman doesn't really say much. He's very much like <laughs> Derek St. John, doesn't very talk, doesn't talk very often. He kind of keeps to himself when you watch the team warm up. He has his headphones in. He's in the zone. He's definitely like zoning out. And I'm taking photos of him. His You can just tell his gaze is very focused elsewhere. And I just think it's exciting to see how far he's come, which is funny because when you look back at his tournament last year, um, he uh, – was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. I don't know why I, I'm questioning. 2020 starting to bleed into this year, and I just keep – forgetting how, yeah, when that was canceled. But anyways, uh, the way Coleman performed then, I mean, he was pinning guys left and right. And I know the big, big thing that contributed to the Coleman we see today is how he lost in his last uh, championship run. That's That was the loss that defined who he wanted to become moving forward. So, like, this is where we're going to see him really showcase um, where all that work um, comes together and hopefully gets him an All-American win. Um, like you said, he had a tough weekend. Uh, the big, big focus this week when we got a chance to talk to him, you can find the video on Cyclone Fanatic. I put it up on our YouTube, you know, is that he was able to get home, be with his family. They had the memorial for his grandfather, but he's ready to just kind of put all his focus onto this weekend and, you know, get that win, get that All-American status for his grandfather. And so, not only does he wrestle like he's had something to prove every time, but now he has that extra, you know, that extra contributing factor of wanting to do this for his grandpa. And I'm excited to see how far he can go. And I think if he does exactly what he did last year in terms of those bonus point wins, but takes it to the next level, I think Marcus is going to have a good run. Yeah. I hope so for, for him, just, like you said, his, his grandpa passed away during the big 12 championships. Um, incredibly hard thing to go through. So for him, I just love to see him make a, a really good run at it. Yeah. We, uh, we talked to dresser as well. And dresser's like, I'm the one that had to kind of go to him and break that news. And you definitely don't have a handbook on how to break that tough of news to your athlete and, um, Marcus said that, you know, his grandpa was always calling him to talk about his matches and kind of, you know, helped lead him there. And so, yeah, definitely will be an interesting weekend just in terms of if you want to look at that, you know, emotional side, I know his family will definitely be emotional if Marcus can do exactly what he has set his eyes on since the beginning. This is something he's been saying since the beginning before even that sad news. Um, like I said, this is, this is what you work for all season. And it just so happens that for Marcus losing it, the NCAAs last year was that moment he needed to kind of kick his butt in gear, I guess. Yeah. This could be a really storybook type of deal for Marcus Coleman. I, I, this could be really fun to watch. And even here's the thing, even if Marcus Coleman falls short of his goals, he's still been a phenomenal wrestler for Iowa state be, being an all American or not being an all American won't define Marcus Coleman. Um, you, you captured, and I think I mentioned this last podcast, you, you captured some excellent pictures of Marcus after his third place victory and just the emotion that he had. So 
this won't define him necessarily, but if he can get to that all American status in his last year after his grandpa passed away, that would be just, it'd be storybook. So um, that's something to root for, for Iowa state, just outside of rooting for Iowa state in general. But um, Marcus could have a really fantastic storybook ending here. And I think maybe that's why the writer in me is just like such on the Marcus Coleman train. Cause I, I love that story. I love the story of the guy who came out of high school, clearly had talent, got to wrestle for his hometown and then, you know, had some hiccups as you mature and figure out your priorities and maybe have your priority set on being a college student and you don't have full focus on an athlete to this season where it's like Marcus Coleman is a staple to every single duel. His wins, when he loses, it's hard on people because you don't expect him to lose. So yeah, I'm big on the Marcus Coleman train. I'm definitely excited to see how his tournament goes. So, which I think is only a good segue to, like I said, this is the younger Bastida fan account. Um, at 197, younger is entering the big, big, the NCAA championships as a number 10 seed. So shout out to younger for that. He'll start his tournament against Braxton Amos of Wisconsin, who's the 23 seed. Uh, Ben, what are your thoughts on his opponent and his potential next opponent? Yeah. So Braxton Amos um, from Wisconsin is 17 and nine this season as a redshirt freshman, but he has really, really high in ability. He was a junior world champion. Um, Younger Bastida, I think was a junior world silver medalist. If memory serves correctly, I could be wrong about that. I should probably look that up, but I didn't. So um, interesting first round match. Braxton Amos has had a rough season, um, relative to expectations. He's 17 and nine this year. He doesn't have any fantastic wins. He's had some rough losses. So this is a match where if younger Bastida comes out, right, I could see him winning this match handily. It won't be like West Virginia against Jackson Mumau where old younger just destroys the guy and his confidence and <laughs> guy never wants to step on a wrestling mat again. But um, I could see this being a six to three, eight to five type of match where Younger's winning, winning comfortably, but um, it's going to be, I, th- I could see Younger winning this relatively handily. And then I think this is what you were referencing, Jackie. In his second <laughs> round match, he will most likely be wrestling his favorite person on earth who gets nosebleeds a ton, Rocky Elam from Missouri. If you watch the Big 12 championships between, um, Rocky and younger, you, it was impossible not to notice that old Rocky Elam had to stop for blood time. It seemed like every 15 seconds and that match literally took the length of three matches. There were matches, there were four mats going on. And that match lasted the length of three other total matches, just because Rocky's nose literally did not stop bleeding the entire match. The ref kept having to stop it. They kept stuffing cotton up Rocky's nose and it didn't seem to help (laughs) at all. So um, younger won that match. He's beaten Rocky Elam twice in the last month and a half or whatever it's been. So I think younger is probably the favorite there. Um, and then hopefully if they match up Rocky's nose, doesn't run like a garden hose. Well, you know, it's funny is I, I have no idea how you watched it on TV, but like it got so bad that like, even whoever, whoever the league hires to be the, like, um, PTs on the side or just like helping the mat, the girl that was cleaning up the blood after it just wasn't enough. So you had dressers screaming for a towel. So you had Tim like running around, like I'm talking, I think it was all hands on deck 
for the refs, the the staffs to help clean up the map from all the blood. So I have no idea what was going on with Rocky Elam. Um, I told you this earlier, but honestly, it killed all of the momentum. And all it really did was help Younger have a chance to catch his breath and for good old coach Fernando to rub his arms out <laughs> while they <laughs> waited. Like if you watched it, uh, coach Fernando looks like a boxing coach. Like he's just in the corner, shaking their arms, has a t-shirt around his neck. <laughs> like, it was just, yeah, that was kind of a nightmare to watch. And like you said, I don't expect, I expect younger to, um, do well in this draw here for him, which if you continue to look at how it might play out, let's say he wins those matches. He's looking at most likely facing off against Steven Buchanan again, who has been just a pain for younger because younger just cannot beat him. And why I think this is a good draw. And the only reason I think it's a good draw is because I felt confident about this going into the big 12s and clearly that didn't necessarily go as planned for younger, but I think in terms of this draw, he got a chance to feel him out literally just a week ago or two weeks, I guess now. Um, so I feel like because of who we've seen younger is, he can definitely get the upper hand on guys who have beat him before. And Steven Buchanan has been kind of that wrinkle in that. And I think in this situation and in this atmosphere, that's just 10 times what the big 12s are. I just think because of the athlete younger is he has to come in stronger and come in strategically more sound because he probably walked out of big 12s and went into the practice room ready to see, okay, how do I fix what I was doing wrong or not enough against a guy like Steven Buchanan? So I think this is an ideal situation for someone like younger, who still has so much to grow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'd love to see that match against Stephen Buchanan again. This was something someone in the program told me um, two years ago when the last time David Carr lost was to Ryan Deacon at the Cliff Keen Las Vegas Invitational, like I said, two years ago. That was Carr's last loss. And I was talking with someone in the program, and they said that no one learns faster than David Carr. And we saw that happen. David Carr hasn't lost since that match. He learned from that match. He learned what he did wrong, and he's progressed fantastically. I see Younger cut out of a similar cloth where we've seen Younger grow so much so quickly, and we've seen him learn from losses. And I'm not saying that the Stephen Buchanan match could be different, but I think we'll definitely see a different strategy from Younger. I think we'll definitely see him wrestle him a little bit differently. And because he's a guy who does learn and he learns really quickly, especially from losses like that Stephen Buchanan match. Um, so that's one that I'd love to see happen. I don't know if it will, but um, I, it's just, it's, it's always good to see a top end guy wrestle against the guy. Stephen Buchanan's the number two seed um, at this weight. And we've mentioned before that this weight is totally up in the air. Every single guy at this weight has at least one loss. Most guys have two or more losses. So this is one where this field is wide open and if younger gets on a run, he could have a special tournament. So I'd love to see the Steven Buchanan match just because I want to see what and how much younger has learned, because I do see him cut out of that similar cloth of a David Carr. Well, and the coaches, you know, preach about his competitiveness and his absolute strong distaste for losing and 
I think this, this stage that is the NCAA championships, and especially now that COVID protocols have really changed and they're able to have a normal tournament. Um, I feel like a guy like younger Bastida was born and built for this type of environment. So I'm definitely excited. I, you know, you kind of walked out of big 12s with a sour taste in your mouth and I'm excited to see if everyone as a collective can really bounce back and really just blow it out of the water with their expectations, even for themselves. And I think younger's in a prime spot to do that. And like you said, I am so excited for this weight class. It's, there is nothing wrong with the Gable Stevensons, the David Carrs, the Yanni, the Robin, 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 Robin Bravo young guys. Like I am so excited to watch those guys compete, but I'm also excited for a weight class where the number one seed has what one loss. I think mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. He has Max Dean has one loss and everybody else is pretty much. Yeah. Like you said, nobody's undefeated in this weight class. Nobody is untouchable. And that's really exciting, especially for a guy like younger, I think. Yeah. This is one where you mentioned earlier where there's wrestling is easier to predict than a sport like basketball is. This is a weight where I don't think there's going to be too many accurate predictions. I could very easily see a five seed and a six seed in the finals that could happen. I could see younger Bastida. Like I said, if he has a tournament of his life, younger Bastida is the 10 seed could be in the finals. I wouldn't put money on it, but I could see it happening just because <laughs> this weight is wide open. So uh, it's going to be really, this is a weight to watch. If, if you're uh, more than a casual fan, who's going to follow David Carr, if you want to take that next step, 197 is going to be the weight to watch because it's going to be wild and it's going to be super fun. Which going into heavyweight, Sammy, good old Sammy Skyler. Um, unfortunately for Sam, I think, I think he has a tough draw. He's on the same side of the bracket as Gable Stevenson, Stevenson. I need to stop saying that. I have too many Steve's, <laughs> Stevenson, Stevensons in my head. Um, and his first opponent, Lucas Davison, Davison, see what I'm saying? <laughs> Western, <laughs> who uh, is the number nine seed, who went 22 and six this season. Sam Skyler is the 24 seed. Sam finished the season uh, 17 and six. He had a, I don't even know what to say, his tur- how big 12 tournaments. We talked about it last week, but Sam is one of those guys where I feel like that he's shown he has great potential. He can win good matches, but then sometimes he kind of like trips and falls a little bit. Um, so I don't necessarily love this draw for him, but I am excited yeah, to see be, how he competes against high competition. Yeah. It's going to be a tough one for him. Uh, Lucas Davison is really good for Northwestern. He's only lost to the top end guys like a Gable Stevenson, like a Tony Cassiope from Iowa. So those are his losses this year. It's going to be tough for Sam Schuyler. He'll have to make his money on the back end of the tournament. But if he does, let's say he goes on a run, he gets some upsets. He'd need two of them. And he wrestles Gable Stevenson, who is an Olympic gold medalist before he has graduated college, which is something to say. Um, Gable is an absolute monster. He is the best pound for pound wrestler at the NCAA tournament this year. I don't think there's, I don't think you'd find anyone that would argue that point. Um, He will get bonus points until the finals and he might even get bonus points in the finals. It's one of those things where 
it's like a Kale Sanderson back in the day. It's like a Kyle Snyder just a few years ago where you're expecting them to go out there, dominate their first uh, pretty much every match until the finals. And even in the finals, you're expecting them to win convincingly. Um, I saw, I think it was Grapple Sai who tweeted on Twitter, shout out to Grapple Sai, that if Gable lost, it'd be the biggest upset since Gable. And that'd be Dan Gable back in, <laughs> I think that was the 1970s or whatever, when he lost his very last match and is the only match he lost to um, Owings. So, yeah, Gable Stevenson, heavy, heavy, heavy favorite in this bracket. Um, I know we should be talking about Sam Schuyler, but Gable Stevenson is a little bit more of the story here. This is one where if you're a wrestling fan, and even if you just are getting into the sport of wrestling, watching Gable Stevenson is truly a treat. And it sounds like this is going to be his last competitive wrestling meet. Um, I think he tweeted that he's going to leave his shoes on the mat um, when this tournament is done. And for those that don't follow wrestling as closely, when a wrestler leaves their shoes on the mat, it means they're retiring from the sport. So Gable will likely retire an NCAA champion, Olympic gold medalist. And he's already signed on with the WWE. So expect him uh, in the ring in a little bit different style of wrestling. Well, I mean, he's quite literally a heavyweight who celebrates by doing a backflip. Yeah, a standing backflip. He just does backflips at 265 <laughs> pounds. It's, his athleticism is out of this world. Sorry, continue. No, you're completely okay. I Like you said, Obviously, we're here to talk about Iowa State, but as a wrestling fan, I am devastated that I can't go cover Iowa State in Detroit just because there's so many reasons. Number one, David Carr. I will watch David Carr win a title in person. It will happen. Not happening this year, but it might happen in the next two years. But one of the things that I am just so upset about is that I will not have the opportunity to see Gable up close because he is just, like you said, he's a monster. He is incredible. He's an incredible athlete. And if, and anyone who's on social media and is a sports fan knows who he is. Even if people who may not know his name is Gable Stevenson, they know who he is because of his Olympic uh, gold medal. And really all the crazy null deals he has shout out to that for finally becoming a thing for them. Because I think an athlete like Gable has definitely benefited a lot from being able to take advantage of those opportunities because he deserves them. Um, I think this, it's going to be exciting. And I'm, I'm sad that this will be his last time. I'm excited. We're not done watching him compete regardless, but he's definitely, like I said, I think if Sam got the opportunity to wrestle him, I think an honor to get your butt whooped <laughs> by <laughs> Gable Stevenson because yeah. He's just, I'm, yeah, I'm a big fan of Gable. I'm in awe of Gable. I think one of my favorite storylines, and I got the chance to talk to David about this last year, was um, Gable and David were part of the five uh, NCAA champions who were a record five black NCAA Division One champions, which I think is incredible. It's breaking a barrier in the sport, and I think it's awesome that David was a part of that. And um, the other guys who were part of that, so it was Gable Stevenson, David Carr, Roman Bravo Young, um, and then Carter. Gosh, I'm so sorry, Carter. His last name's Starucci. Starucci. God, I'm so bad with this. And then uh, Aaron Brooks of Penn State. 
those guys have such a great friendship. I think it's so awesome to see how close they are. And I'm, I'm just excited for them. And like I said, obviously here to talk Iowa state, but as fans of the sport, it'd be a disservice not to talk about those guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, David and Gable were also part of the same recruiting class. Gable was the number one pound for pound ranked recruit. David Carr was number two pound for pound ranked recruit. And I think they've both lived up to it. They are both uh, outstanding. And I say that, but I'm not sure they couldn't be a part of the same recruiting class because they're different years. So, but I remember David being number two and Gable being number one. So apologies for the misinformation, but um, yeah, they're both just incredible, incredible wrestlers. They've known each other for a long time. I do know that for a fact, but um, yeah, just going to be a really fun tournament to watch. And I think one, if we're still talking about overarching storylines, I think one that should be mentioned is um, Michigan won the big 12 or yes. not the big 12, the big 10 championships. Um, former Iowa state head coach, Kevin Jackson is an assistant for Michigan. He has been a part of building that program this last year. And by all accounts, he's done a phenomenal job. I don't think anyone can question Kevin Jackson's wrestling acumen by any stretch of imagination, no matter how poorly it ended at Iowa state, which was a one win season when his last year at Iowa state, but from all accounts, he is one of the best technicians on the planet in terms of wrestling. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He's a three-time world champion. Kevin Jackson knows the sport of wrestling. He's an incredible motivator. Unfortunately for him and unfortunately for Iowa state at that time, he just couldn't build a program, but right now at Michigan, he's in the perfect spot. He can be an assistant coach. He can be that technician. He can be that motivator. And it worked wonders for Michigan at the Big Ten tournament when they won it. They beat Penn State. They beat Iowa, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Go down the line. They won the Big Ten tournament. And when you win the Big Ten tournament, you automatically become the favorite to win the NCAA championship. So that could be a really fun storyline to watch, too. Kevin Jackson is one of the best human beings on the planet. Um, I love talking with him. I love talking with him about wrestling. Um, really, really good human being. And I'm really just as a per personal level, I'm really happy to see him doing well at Michigan. I'm really happy to see Michigan doing well. Um, that's going to be a storyline to watch. I don't know that Michigan is the favorite necessarily. I think you still got Penn state and Iowa has taken a step back a little bit without Spencer Lee, but I was still going to contend. So, um, Michigan Penn state will be a really fun race to watch and, um, they both obviously have Iowa state ties with Kale Sanderson as the Penn state head coach. So, um, that'll be fun. That'll be fun. Iowa state, no matter what Iowa state's winning the national championship in some form, probably. I was just going to say, ultimately it all comes back to Iowa state. That's we right. Center of the wrestling no, universe. Iowa we state. Will no questions at this time on that. No follow-ups. Thank you. But <laughs> no, yeah, it was the first, uh, it was Michigan's 12th big 10 champion title. Wow, I can't speak words today. Their 12th Big Ten championship title, but it was the program's first title since 1973. So, mm. and they had two individual um, champions. For those of you who don't know, Nick Seriano at 125 and Miles, oh gosh. I mean, I mean, okay, at 184. Yep. Um, so, yeah, like you said, I think it would have been pretty upsetting if we only had Kevin 
or yes, God, I am just not on my crap today. If KJ's last college involvement was that sad season with Iowa State, his final season as the head coach, that would just suck because I think people who aren't close to the sport would only look back at that and say, oh, that's KJ. Oh, that's Kevin Jackson. So I think it's super awesome to see Michigan do well. And honestly, not that I'm trying to stay here and have hate towards Iowa or Penn State at all, but I definitely root to see the other guys win. I think it's exciting. It I think it's how we continue to show that wrestling is a very competitive team sport when you get a chance to see a team like Michigan come out on top. And yeah, I'm excited to see how all the other teams, I think it'll be interesting to see how Iowa performs since their guys should be fully healthy. Okay. I shouldn't yeah, they should be. We'll see. They should be well-rested, untweaked, mm. prepared, excited to see how Tony Cassiope performs, assuming and hoping for himself. I'm sure he's hoping that he can work his way through his bracket and end up on the championship side against Gable. So, but he's the third seed. So I guess we'll see I said the number three seed. Yeah. But it should be fun. I'm excited. It's the best time of the year. <laughs> Yeah, it'll be interesting. See if, if I was healthy. It could be. It could not be, too. We'll see. You know, I definitely do miss Spencer Lee and that he's just such a talented guy and you have to appreciate talent. And so it's crazy to imagine him, poor guy, having to watch this from the sidelines, including AJ Ferrari as well. Like, mm-hmm. um, Kyvin said this. I don't know if he said this on the podcast or if he said it to you and I, but. I would definitely love if if the NCAA or their respective conferences just put a camera on them because I think it for guys who are the number one guys in the nation, they don't like to sit on the sidelines. <laughs> like, yeah. So, but any final thoughts in terms of Iowa State's upcoming big weekend? Yeah, I think we covered it pretty well. Um, I I don't know that Iowa State – will be in contention for a team trophy. I believe it's the top four teams that get team trophies. Um, I think a good tournament for the Cyclones as a team would be somewhere around a seventh place finish, a sixth place finish. I think that's on the high end of what their um, abilities are, but I think that's a good goal to reach for. A top five, if you finish five, I think that'd be great. I think a realistic expectation would be somewhere in that 10 range. I think that's where Iowa State probably will end up, but I think a good goal would be in that five, six, seven range. That's it's in the area of what I'm expecting. A bad tournament would be somewhere near 15. That would be that would mean that David Carr probably wins a national championship or gets the championship at bare minimum. And then no one else, all Americans. But to get to that five, six range. You're going to have to get an Ian Parker, Marcus Coleman, younger Bastida to All American. If you're going to get five, you got to get Jarrett Dagan to All American. So things that are out of the question because Jarrett Dagan was an All American. He is an All American. So he has that ability, but um, he's got a, a tough draw. He'll have to wrestle back. So um, I think that's what I'm big picture, what goals are and what my expectations are. I definitely would like to see Carr, Coleman, Parker, and Dagan All-American. That's who my eyes are on. So, but I agree. Honestly, I'm not even going to go into my thoughts because it's exactly what you said with how I hope to see the team finish. But yeah, those four guys, 
I'd like to see all American and anyone else. It's just a bonus. Yep. Yeah. If Bastida gets a good, if he has a good tournament, he can join, he could join um, those other potential guys, but yeah, it'll be, they have to wrestle the matches first. I, we, again, we mentioned earlier that upsets are a little bit rarer, but I remember Leland Weatherspoon, his junior year, he was uh, up against the number two seed in the first round and he upset him first round match upset. The number two guy got all the way to the semifinals as back then he was unseated. It was after that year, actually, that they seated all 33 weights or all 33 guys at the weight. So we can thank Leland Weatherspoon for that. But as an unseated wrestler, <laughs> he beat the number two guy, got to the um, semifinals, was an All-American. So just because upsets are rare doesn't mean they don't happen. They can happen. Um, and it's it's always, well, they call this one March Matness. So we'll see what happens this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Like, as coaches say, everyone's O and O this weekend. We might talk about their season records, but it's O and L right now for everyone. This is a clean slate per se. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's going to be exciting. So much wrestling. I am both very excited and sad because it just means we're one step closer to it all being done. But this is what we cut. This is what we cover this for. For this is what these guys wrestle for. This is what fans and like prepare for. I see so many people on my timeline who are headed to Detroit or are already in Detroit. So I'm excited for everyone who gets to be there. And Ben and I will definitely be tweeting our thoughts as the weekend goes on, since it sounds like neither of us will be getting much work done for our day yeah, jobs. Apologies <laughs> to the boss, the bosses, but we have, we have other things going on. Sorry. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people will be able to say that. I'm sure we're not the only ones. So. No, we're not. Um, as always, thanks to our sponsor, Fairway. We can't thank them enough, as always, for investing in the sport of wrestling and especially in the sport of wrestling at Cyclone Fanatic. Um, as always, like I said, follow us along on Twitter. I will probably not be posting any like full match scores as they're happening. There's just way too much wrestling going on. And with so much other stuff going on, it's just, it'll get clogged up on there. But I will tweet my general thoughts on my own private, my own private, my own personal Twitter. And I will do that for David's match. However, given yep. that he wrestles in the championship match on Saturday. Yeah. Follow the cyclone wrestling Twitter Connie. If you want match by match results, I will not be tweeting those either. I do have to get some work done, believe it or not. So <laughs> um, I will not be tweeting match by match results, but if something important happens, if something um, big happens, I'll probably tweet about it, but. Yeah, follow Cyclone Wrestling if you want match-by-match results because they will be on top of it. Ryan Workman, the SID for Iowa State Wrestling. Shout out to Ryan. I'm sure you're listening. Um, he is great at keeping you guys updated on there, and they will have camera guys um, on site. So they hopefully will be able to rally up the troops as they're running around in circles, which honestly I was running around in circles in Big 12s. I can imagine what it's like at – NCAA. So Godspeed to Ryan who has to maneuver all of that on his own, <laughs> but yeah, just follow us all along on Twitter. Um, and yeah, Godspeed on that. <laughs> Thanks Ben.